Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A few little things before we kick off. I would love you to subscribe to our new podcast, Palcast One World, One Struggle. It is hosted by Dr. Yusuf Al-Jamal, himself a brilliant Palestinian writer, and Helena Coben, his longtime friend and longtime activist. And it's available now wherever you get your podcasts. The Tortoiseshek is delighted to be collaborating with Just World Education on this project, and I'm really proud of the work that's gone into it already. I want to extend my thanks to Dr. Yusuf Al-Jamal for, for trusting us with platforming the work that he's been doing for several years now. I also need to ask you for your support. The Tortoiseshek relies entirely on you to pay it forward and keep this podcast free for everyone. We have no ads, we have no sponsors, I say it all the time, we rely entirely on you. So if you're one of the thousands of people listening, please help us keep the show on the road by joining us at patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshek. I won't lie to you, it's been a very difficult few months in the tortoiseshek, but it's been exceptionally disappointing over the last few weeks to see the amount of new listeners who've joined us, and yet we continue to lose membership. I understand the cost of living crisis has continued to bite for people out there, but if you want actual independent media, you have to chip in and pay for it. If you get something out of this, please give something back. It's really simple. It'll take you a couple of minutes. Patreon.com forward slash Tortoiseshack. The link is at the top of the podcast you're about to listen to. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for sharing. Please do join us. I am shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and... Oh my God, all the news is bad. All the news is always bad. But on a, on a plus note... Yes, Argentina have elected a uh, a a ultra neoliberal um, economist, tantric sex teaching um, <laughs> uh, megalomaniac. Uh, but as someone just uh, just recently described them to me, Martin, it's you with hair. How are you keeping? Good to see oh, you. Thanks very much, Tony. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a turn. I, I, we didn't really expect him to get elected. We thought, I oh, know, no, nobody's going to elect. We him. we were. No, <laughs> Go back, <laughs> go back, lads. We did a Sunday show yesterday with Harry Mac Evans, Sonia, and I went. I should look. The Argentina's going to the polls at the moment, but we wake up in the morning. I'm sure he won't win. That's what I think. I was like, I'm sure he won't win. But we are joined on the line by our friend in in Latin and Latin and South America, El País journalist Nicholas De Leal. Nicholas, he has won. Um, can you give us a sense of first of all uh, the what we're in for and 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 how you know why he why he was so successful why this was uh, decided um, yeah we'll just go with him we'll just go with him because you know sometimes you just want to watch the world burn uh, yeah well hello to everyone uh, nice to be here unfortunately in these circumstances but uh, well it is what it is um, well. It's hard to say exactly what we can expect um, because he's so outrageous. It's also hard to believe that he will actually be able to do all the series of things which he has uh, campaigned on. Uh, but going back as to as to why a guy, which I don't know, listeners will probably be uh, aware of this guy, uh, Millet, who's, as you mentioned, yeah, like ultra neoliberal, libertarian he called himself an anarcho-capitalist well whatever uh, phrase but basically yeah ultra liberal a uh, guy who wants to like dismantle the state uh i think he wants to cut uh eight ministries so from 18 ministries 
go down to uh, 10 or, or 9. Uh, and, and that's uh, an upgrade. At one stage, he was only keeping 2 or 3. Yes, indeed. indeed. I mean, he believes that the state should only be... Uh, should only have presence in the justice system and uh, security. No, so uh, originally he did all, only want three uh, ministries, which was justice, uh, interior, and defense. Uh, so anyway, um, as to why he won, uh, it's more I think the reality of Argentina at the moment and uh, who the other candidate was. Uh, the reality of Argentina at the moment, well, for for years now, but right now it's probably the worst it's been in in a long time uh, economically. So they have uh, at the moment uh, inflation of about one hundred and forty percent, and and a risk of hyperinflation coming up if if that's not already uh, uh, very big numbers. They 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 are on that precipice. Forty uh, percent poverty. Uh, the devaluation of the peso just keeps going along with the inflation. Uh, and so the, the, the other candidate was the current minister uh, of economy. So he didn't have uh, a great uh, presentation card to start off with. So I think that that's uh, a big factor. And also just the way... Uh, uh, I mean, we could go back. This is a historic thing uh, of 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 the party who's who was currently in power and has now been ousted. The, the party uh, of per- Peronism, isn't that what they refer to it as? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, this is also a um, failure of Peronism, which is this uh, nationalist ideology and a party in Argentina that started in the fifties, and it has. Uh, shifted dif- in different ways. Sometimes it's been more left. In the 90s, it was quite neoliberal, but it's all institutionalized. And at the moment, it, it was more left, although Massa, the candidate, really was more center-right. Uh, but since they've been in power for during the 20th, uh, 21st century, most of the time, except for four years, uh, the public has a perception that all the ills of the country are a Peronism and Kirchnerism, which is like the strand of Peronism that was in power during this time, that it's their fault. So uh, the institutional candidate, which was Massa, who got 44%, had it very difficult. It was a very difficult sell uh, to say, if you stick with us, we'll we'll do it better because uh, they've been in power for for well at least the four last four years. But like it's, it's 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 like it's like me and giving out to Martin, and he says to me, "Don't trust me, trust me. This time it'll be different, Tony." And he yeah. and, and, and then he lets me down again. <coughs> I think you know, listening to your explanation of why people voted for him, I think he was the snake oil salesman. You know, he, he's he's offering. Uh, some sort of way out, whereas the incumbents have no way out. And I think that's probably it in a nutshell. But I think on a wider scale, what we're seeing in Argentina is really no different to what we're seeing in Ireland and the UK and in America, where the status quo, which has existed for 30 years, 
is is no longer the status quo. The centre has shifted on all of them. So centrists are no longer centrists. They've, they've been left in, in that position. And the centre is where most people now are. Unfortunately, in Argentina, it has ended up with a snake oil salesman. Unfortunately, in the US, it looks very like it's going to end up with a snake oil salesman. In the UK, it is a snake oil salesman. And in Ireland, it is uh, an alternative between two snake oil salesmen. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of a malaise that's that's setting into the world. I think the status quo is changing across the planet. I think this 30-year status quo is changing. Yeah, I, I do think there's a definite, I mean, parallelisms with uh, different uh, places. Obviously, uh, Argentina has its its own political and economic history that 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 uh, defines this sort of uh, elections but yeah i think uh, the the it's like a seductive idea of offering something different uh in this case in argentina this this different this change comes from this like ultra liberal right uh and i think a lot of people uh think or or their logic is well, we're this bad. I mean, even if this guy is crazy, and, and I think a, a lot of people uh, consider that, that he is crazy uh, and that what he is saying is nuts. But they they think, um, well, we might as well give it a shot. You know, it, it can't get worse than this. Uh, a we, lot of people can, think that. Can we just talk about him for a minute? Like this guy runs around with a chainsaw. He put up all the, like, I mean, he runs around with a chainsaw, not just, like, it's not turned off. He has it blazing as he's waving it around. He has done, you know, he's been, he's been uh, in, in, in the pop industry. He's literally, when I said tantric sex earlier, he put himself forward as a guy who t- taught tantric sex. He is, he calls himself a libertarian, which I always have problems with because I don't understand. I often think they don't understand themselves what libertarianism, libertarianism means particularly because he's he's not in favor of personal freedoms in many ways you know like a woman's right to choice these things these are these are these are things that he's not in favor of so he is he is that candidate that has that kind of like i want to be i want to be a, a free market libertarian but a, an adherent to um Christian conservative values or ev- evangelical values, and that's that's more problematic. And then to go back to Martin's point, I actually don't accept Martin that this is the this is just another snake oil salesman. I think there's something else bigger at play here in Argentina, um, because I think the people have decided that um, we'd rather we'd rather burn it down and maybe you know it's it's the old meme of like I want change and they go into a room and they say I want change and the guy comes in with a baseball bat smashes everything and they went well okay that maybe maybe I didn't want that much change and I think that's I think that's where this is gonna go I mean, Nicholas the <laughs> We the last time we spoke, we said, "Look, there's there's hope for for um, Latin America and South America." We were looking at how it, it had moved over the last couple of years more to the left. But this is like Argentina. People forget Argentina was one of the biggest economies in the world, like in in living memory. Like it was, it was, it was a real counterbalance. And now um, I read an article, and this was quite scary. Um, I think it was actually in your newspaper in El País, where they said uh, if 
he wants, if he was to be in power for like several terms, not the two that he's only allowed, but if he can stay in power for several terms, they would be a economic uh, equivalent of the U- of the US. And then one of the one of the weird weird lines, I don't know if you saw this, Nicholas. One of the lines was, "And if and in thirty five years we could be like Ireland." <laughs> yeah. What, what did they mean by that? Oh, it terrified me. Uh, I'm actually not too certain what he what he means by that, but I think he he just means uh, like a comfortable, well off uh, European country tax haven, uh, <laughs> probably tax haven as well. Uh, in between the lines, um, yeah, he he he. That's that's one of the things he says. I mean, he he's going on a platform of like deep transformation of of the country, but uh, if we're looking ahead that might not be as easy uh it is there is presidential power but there is also a congress in argentina and there he doesn't have a a majority not even close uh so he's gonna have to negotiate a lot of things he's gonna have to negotiate a lot of things because to have won in the first place he had to make some pacts uh with the candidate who got third in the primaries uh she endorsed him relatively quickly after the the first uh round of voting but uh i'm sure that 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 wasn't uh completely disinterested or 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 free uh um support so well the other thing too is he has to deliver necklace okay he got there in in a bit of a uh, a windstorm, but he has to deliver or he'll be gone just as fast. I mean, the history of Argentinian politics is not that somebody gets to stay for 20 years in politics. That doesn't happen. No, and and especially with the conditions that there are now. Um, I have this feeling, a hope of, of uh, that this might be such a, a mistake that Argentinians, but also uh, people elsewhere will see that that ultra-liberal experiment, which in reality hasn't been applied in the same way as what Millet is proposing, it's never really been applied anywhere. Uh, and if he does it, and it is the the failure that one would expect it to be, uh, then that, that, that experiment sort of begins and ends in Argentina. So that's the only hope that I have looking uh, outwards from the region. Uh, if if people could be seduced by his ideas, hopefully uh, it, it, it doesn't work out and that uh, makes people think twice when the well, time I comes can... to vote for someone like that in other places. I can only think of one anarcho-capitalist uh, experiment which was somewhere in in a jungle in South America, and uh, it was land. But at the end of it all, they all screwed each other over, and it all ended up in court. So you know, it's as Tony said, it's not it's not neoliberalism. Their brand is just listen. We don't want to pay tax. That's really their brand, and that yeah. is really their brand. And and the the idea of selling the state as uh as a like bureaucratic machine that just sucks up money uh, and and subsidies. Partic- particularly when the state has become a bureaucratic machine that just sucks up money. I mean, that is the that is it. It has yeah. become that. Yeah, yeah. And in Argentina, it has, uh, to a very large extent, 
that has happened. Forty uh, percent of people who live in poverty, many of those, most of them, depend on on subsidies to, just to make ends meet. Because uh, also with the inflation and everything, uh, it's not enough to you know buy the groceries, uh, the basics. So most people depend uh, depend on subsidies. But to be honest, Argentina. Uh, as a completely out, a complete outlier in in Latin America, has a very robust uh, wealth welfare system as well. So, if in the rest of Latin America, you know, public education or, and public health is non-existent, really in Argentina, it is it is existent. It is a an institution that if he proposes to get rid of, as he as he. Um, symbolizes with the chainsaw no uh, yeah. the chainsaw is meant to cut up uh, and destroy the all these ministries uh, I, I i i personally don't think it's it's going to be that simple so uh can I? Sorry, Nicholas. I want to come in and just so a couple of really quick points on the. Um, so first of all, one of the funniest ones, and it only came back to me earlier, is that I saw him on a, on a video called the um, the minister, the Ministry for Education, the minister, the Ministry for Indoctrination, right? Um, and it was part of his war on woke that helped him rise in terms of people said we're interested in this guy. You know, he's got this war on woke. Can I yeah. ask you? That's become, you know, like, I mean, I, I think it's a quite funny, you know, it, like, it's like, what, what is it, you know, it's like when someone says to you, well, you can't say anything anymore these days. And then you say to them, well, what is it that you want to say that you cannot say anymore? And then they don't answer because maybe they wanted to say something that was racist or homophobic. But this guy, this is like one of his things is, you know, um, this will... Uh, the, the left will kill you, is what he has said. The left will kill you for your ideas. They will kill you for your ideas. Is there, is there a part of his vote that is, actually, that is actually whipped up by this idea that this war on woke is a real thing? Is, 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 that, is that really a part of his core vote? I don't know how significant a part of the, of the vote it, it is. Uh, I, I think... Uh, people who are motivated by the economy are probably the biggest part, but there's no doubt that he has adopted that sort of discourse. I personally don't think because he believes it that much. It's just because it's sort of good electoral arithmetics, I think. Uh, I think he, in terms of, for example, uh, his uh, rejection of abortion rights, which Argentinian women got, in 2020 so it's it's a it is a controversial subject that already divides the population to a certain extent so he's grabbed onto that even if it doesn't really line up with in theory what he says he believes in so that's one of the things uh, but he also in more wider terms uh, a war on woke uh, and then also uh, denialism of the dictatorship and the crimes of the dictatorship. So, uh, historical revisionism uh, is, is is another part of his uh, discourse, which he added relatively recently when he signed up his uh, vice presidential uh, running mate, which is who's called Victoria Villarreal. She's uh, the daughter of a former. Uh, military guy who fought in the Falklands and 
during the dictatorship. Oh, no, the, we will not be calling the Falklands anymore, I can tell you. <laughs> they will be the Malvinas forevermore. <laughs> um, but just um, one quick thing on it, though, that's interesting as well, when you say it's it's politically, it's political capital that's what he's spending on this war on woke. He's also been anti-climate change he doesn't believe in man-made climate change and martin is smiling at me now but imagine that martin when we've seen you know lula come in in brazil and petro come in in colombia this is all at odds well and also the idea of small government is 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 at odds with where the world needs to go to tackle these issues so you know i think reality will bite and I think reality, it's biting all over the world in, 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 in climate change. And it is. And we have to be honest about it. Argentina is not going to be exempt from that. So when no, it bites- Argentina has, uh, in the last year, it lost about 50% of its usual GDP because of a, of a massive drought, a historic drought. Uh, 70% of their exports are soybean and the crops failed and that's one of the reasons why inflation is so high uh, so it's already hitting them really hard uh, but again it doesn't fit his discourse and and we all know really what what this ultra liber, liberal or to libertarian uh, discourse hides really which is just privatizations and yeah yeah and, and, and that's what that's already there's already a a sort of claims of corruption or 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 at least you know corrupt attitudes uh so if that's uh that that's where it's headed that's yeah that's but you know i i i'm thinking back to to what you've said about why argentinian people vote for maybe it, it is just given the incumbents or, or the generally usual incumbents just a kick to say for god's sake you know do something you know, and I don't, I, I kind of agree with you, Nicholas, the chance this guy lasts 20 years, the chance this guy lasts in five years, pretty bloody slim. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And I think uh, also he'll be absolutely ostracized uh, on the world stage uh, because he's not, he, he's, he's not uh, like a diplomatic figure huh. uh, and I don't I, see but he's no different. different. He'll be standing beside Trump maybe in a couple of years uh, from but, now. But Martin, so. I, 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 you know, I think Nicholas makes a really good point. You, when you watch the UN, as much as it's been, it's it's been toothless since the October seventh attacks in by Hamas in 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 Israel. It's been toothless in terms of you know because the US has used its veto to do this. But when you see like statesmen talk when you see the representative for Palestine that forgive me I can't remember the woman's name 11 and a half minutes straight of breaking down all the the myths about Israel's IDF and the most moral army in the world and you see Petro go to the UN and talk about the sponge that absorbs the poison and you see and you look and you go wow this actually this is still has has a value this guy if he's if he carries on the way he is, because I remember it was a famous it was famously said of Trump that once he once he became president, the 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 office itself would actually limit him and he would become more moderate. That didn't happen. No, his his, his opening speech, if people remember, was blood and soil. That's what it was. It was echoes of 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 that sort of nonsense, and I. I've seen the the opening the opening salvos of of Mele, uh Nicholas, and he seems 
like uh he'd, he'd give everybody a chainsaw at this stage <laughs> he just seems there's 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 a there's a serious mania in the guy and and whether you know okay he has his victory let him have his victory but it is worrying from because Argentina is, is a huge country it's huge like it's like we're the, we're the, we're a tiny little rock on the edge of Europe Argentina is the backbone of Latin and South America that's what it is it's huge yeah, yeah, yeah. But for example, he is obviously at odds directly with Lula, but he can't afford to fight Lula in any in any real sense uh, because they're the two biggest economies in the region. They're the biggest uh, economic partners of each other. Uh, so as much as he will antagonize Lula completely, uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to make deals. They're going to have to find some kind of middle ground. So I do think uh, because of the situation Argentina finds itself in, he can't be uh, so sort of cocky as he has. He was in campaign. And in fact, already his, his speech, acceptance speech last night, uh, was a lot more toned down, uh, a lot more... Uh, putting his hand out for anyone to come in to to get this change a very typical uh, acceptance speech as well we'll have to see what he says uh, in his inauguration and when he when he actually gets into power uh but now there's a uh, yeah 19 days for that to happen and we'll get some some sort of clues as to what he's thinking uh in terms when he starts naming his his cabinet uh and and whether he will eliminate, you know, the Ministry of Health like that, which personally I don't think is something that is actually feasible. So he might have said it a thousand times, but for him to follow through, and this is something as well that a lot of voters who ended up voting for him were saying, it's like we realize that he's saying things that are crazy, but we don't really think he's going to do all those crazy things. So we might as well take the chance of some kind that of... That hasn't worked well in the past, no, to be honest, it Nicholas. <laughs> Martin, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Give him a fish and run, he'll beat you over the head with it and then take your fish, you know. But uh, look, there is the hope that he is that snake oil salesman. He's now in, they've given him the keys to the kingdom and that most of his efforts will be going into lining his own pockets instead of dismantling the country. I mean, there is that hope. Uh, can, 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 we, can we move things on a little bit? I want to... Oh, something occurs to me, Nicholas. I know. Colombia is your is your uh, is your is your homeland. Colombia is your is where your your heart lies. Um what did you make of of the Luis Diaz story in terms of the 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 footballer and and his father being kidnapped and the fact that one of the militant uh, um, militias had done this and very quickly realized that you know we need to we're no longer in the kidnap business you know it it went around the world and obviously it was because he was a high profile footballer but it does it does sort of augur well because Colombia as you've told me used to rely part of part of how a lot of these people made money was in the kidnap business now it seems that it might be finishing mm, well not not really <laughs> uh, actually get, get back in, little... get, get back in your box groves <laughs> go, go ahead <laughs> it's a bit the the opposite really what has happened with this um so the eln which is the the sort of remaining guerrilla 
in in Colombia, or there there are some some smaller ones. But Did, didn't uh, Petro used to be a member of the of a spinoff of the ELN? Uh, of another one yeah. that existed in the the M nineteen that existed in the seventies and eighties, yeah. but no, they they were different uh, organizations. They didn't really have uh, much. No, they, they they were enemies probably as well at that time. But um, yeah, so the ELN uh, kidnapped uh, Luis Diaz's parents. They released the mother uh, on that same day, but they kept the father for about two weeks. Uh, they only admitted that it was them uh, a few days after the news had uh, transpired. Uh, so people were wondering who who's kidnapped, who's kidnapped him. Uh, the kidnapping is like a national trauma in Colombia because it was very widespread in the late 90s and early 2000s uh, as a way of financing and, and also pressuring from the FARC. They had thousands of people kidnapped at one time. Uh, the ELN at the moment is, has a lot less, uh, dozens of people, like 40 people or something like that, or 50, uh, that are currently kidnapped. And But they, they, after they were pressured by, you know, whatever, or every politician in the country and any, every commentator in the country saying, you know, they need to release Luis Diaz's father. They said they were going to release him. They weren't going to ask for a uh, ransom or anything. But they did say, we're not going to stop kidnapping full stop because, and this quote is, we are poor and we need to do this to to finance ourselves. So I don't think that sat very well with the Colombian public uh, because I think we all consider a bit cynical. Uh, they're meant to be currently uh, negotiating peace with the government, and in parallel, they're still committing uh, kidnapping. So, and then they they come out with this statement. So, uh, in fact, the the whole peace uh, negotiations seem like they could be uh, uh, at risk just because there's a feeling that there isn't a real commitment for peace by the guerrillas. Rather, they're they're just sitting down to buy some time to see what they can get, but that they don't have any real uh, a conviction for, for peace. And that's sort of the feeling that this episode has left uh, in the Colombian public, whether how that is, pans out on the negotiation table, we'll see, but there is a feeling in the population that, well, there's absolutely no trust uh, and, towards and, and the guerrilla. And what's the feeling towards the government for how they handled it? Are they getting some credit for handling it, or are people still saying, this shit has to stop because, you know, we've had it for so long? No, they're not really getting any credit. To be fair, they didn't seem to do too much themselves about it, Uh and they're not getting any credit either because they're, they're, the narrative is that they're giving too many concessions to the to the other parties without getting getting anything in exchange. I.e., they say, "All right, you pacted a ceasefire, so the military aren't engaging with the guerrillas, but they, on the other hand, can still be kidnapping. That's not much of a ceasefire, no. So that that is the the sense that." Uh, no, they're not really getting credit. They're getting more. It's more the idea of them getting 
played a little bit. Martin, I know you want to come in, but I want to say one last thing on this. I've listened to a lot of sport podcasts as I as I do, and I know Martin is, doesn't. He's not into the whole sport thing, but he laughs at me. But Nicholas, you've done in three minutes the best coverage of this that I've heard because all of them have covered it on the basis of you know it's a feel good story. They took his dad. He scored the winning goal. Isn't it great? And no one has spoken about what is actually happening with the groups, what is happening with the government, and what the public are, are about it. So so thank you for that. And I know I didn't. I know I didn't ta- tell you I was going to bring that up, but it just occurred to me as. As, a, as an interest story but but we do yeah. want to touch on Gaza Martin don't we yeah yeah and and myself and Tony were discussing this before you came on and we think there's there's a far better from our point of view which is the only point of view I'm, I'm going to point out it is the only point of view um that there is a better reaction and for want of a better word from non-white countries and that that particularly includes your own region. We think there's a much better reaction, a much truer reaction than we're seeing from the whiter countries. Yeah, um, I would agree. I'm. I would say, uh, personally, I've been proud of of the way uh, President Petro has reacted. Although maybe I'm not a fan of him using Twitter quite so much, but the uh, content of what he says, uh, I definitely agree with. And I've, and he was the first like world leader, for example, to, to call it out as genocide. Uh, and I think that's not, not a minor thing. Um, but it's not just him. That's also true. Uh, Boric in Chile, Lula as well. Uh, Mexico has kept more quiet, but that's their diplomatic stance historically so that they tend to not uh, give opinions very quickly so that's not a surprise uh, in in at all uh they also have more pressure from the states to not say too much uh, but it's it is a diplomatic stance of neutrality in mexico but still uh i i i think it's it's nice but i think that's that's probably where it ends because what there's not much pressure Colombia and Chile can can put on the international community mm. or the UN or whatever uh, for anything in the in in this conflict to change so they're nothing players i think brazil lula wants to have a bigger profile as he as he has done in ukraine as well uh but again it seems to be that uh but but Nicholas, they are expanding the BRICS. They're expanding so for so listeners' benefits. You know the the BRICS rose Brazil, Russia, India, China. You know this is where they were. They were but now it's what is it? Twenty six countries. Um, yeah. They, well, they, it's it's not 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 so big. Uh, they are uh, incorporating, I think, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Argentina is also one of the candidates to join. We'll delete that. Uh, we'll delete that line. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or it was uh, until a few months ago, um, but I think that 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 will take longer to 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 really gain traction and and make a difference as a as a sort of international block. Uh, at the moment, it's still too fragmented, and I think yeah, despite uh, these Latin American countries uh, positioning themselves in the in this way in in the war in Gaza, uh, unfortunately. 
I feel like it, it just doesn't make too much of a difference. And also, uh, for example, Argentina, uh, it has a, a large uh, Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's the reason why, but Argentina, the current government and Milea as well has, has stated that they support Israel fully. So it isn't, uh, it isn't like everyone agreeing either. Um, yeah, no, but I, I, I think, sorry, go ahead, I, 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 you know, I know there isn't much punch, you know, that they can't deliver a punch with what they say, but it is really important it at is, this is. particular time that people stand up and say, no, we recognize what a war crime is and these are war crimes. Yeah. And to not be influenced by anything other than that. Yeah. No, I I agree that in that in that sense, um, definitely uh, there is an impact in just the general perception. No, and I and I think that has changed in this month and a half, uh, not just in in like diplomatic terms, but also in terms of the public. In in I think everywhere, uh, the the support for Palestine continues to grow as people voice these uh, positions clear, more clearly and without less, uh, yeah, with less fear, I guess. Nicholas, thanks very much for coming on and having this conversation with us. Uh, for those in Argentina, the, the hangover is going to be epic, <laughs> epic. So we, 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 we're standing by with a liter of orange juice and two salpos, so when you all wake up from the from the wild night out and the hangover is there, where Ireland's here waiting for you. Yeah, listen, folks. Um, <laughs> we we've always been delighted to talk to Nicholas because he gives us the facts on the ground in the area from the region and. And let's be honest, he's passionate about it. He's a journalist who's trying to be maintain his 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 balance, but he's also passionate about it. So, so thank you, Nicholas. Always check out his work, and we always appreciate him joining us. Uh, and uh, and I did hear before we came on air the sirens. So stop going into dangerous areas, okay? Just stop it. <laughs> Listen, folks, we leave it there. We we'll talk to you all very very. Oh, we've we're going back to talk to one of the families who have returned recently from Gaza. So that'll be in your feeds shortly as well. So we have that coming your way. Talk to you very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on page.